0: Welcome to the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network, brought to you by Jasper's crossover edition with It's All Your Fault, of course, brought to you by the Nashville Scene and the Nashville Post. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall.
1: My name is Michael Gallagher. I'm the for the Nashville Post and the Nashville Scene, and you can follow me on Twitter at Sports underscore.
2: I am Jeremy K. Gover, and I am the Nashville correspondent for AP Radio and the co-host of the It's All Your Fault podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at It's Gover Time.
0: So rate, review, subscribe to both shows, uh, share the product, tell somebody about it. Uh, This massive crossover event that many people are talking about here. Uh, Now that the NHL trade deadline has come and gone and kind of for the first time, maybe that I can remember, at least since I've covered the team since 2016, uh, the Predators were a full forced seller and acquired a whole lot of future assets. We've covered a lot of this on, on our last edition of It's All Your Fault and The Gold Standard, but some new things have happened. The deadline is coming past. And oh, by the way, Terrence Arthur Crisp, the one and only Crispy, is going to join us a little bit later on in the show as well. We will talk about the picks strategy, the rebuild strategy. What are they going to do with all these picks real quickly a little bit later on? Who else could be moved in the offseason? Who maybe should have been moved and was not on this team? We've got a couple of new contracts for a goaltender and a defenseman. uh, But we'll start with just sort of evaluating the trades overall. That is nine draft picks. I'm not going to read off every year and round. But nine draft picks have been acquired by the Nashville Predators. They gave away two extremely late round draft picks in that process. Uh, they gave up four players, Matthias Ekholm, Tanner Janot, Nino Niederreiter, and Mikhail Grandland. They acquired uh, a, a bunch of guys <laughs> that we don't know a whole lot about. Uh, Calfoot, Tyson Berry, we do know a little bit about. We, we've uh, talked about them. Uh, my favorite, of course, Rasmus Asplund is going to be the last trade, the last player ever acquired in a trade by david poyle um just a great name boys how do we evaluate and michael i'll start with you how do we evaluate the entirety of the movement not the barry trotz move and the david poyle res- retirement i'm j- just the trades and the, d- the deadline how do we evaluate the comp the entire collection of acquisitions for the predators
1: yeah i think it, i think it was a home run i mean you get rid of nita rider janeau at home and grandland a couple players there. I think grandland was it was time to cut bait with him. You bring in a couple guys. I think Cal Foote is someone who could who could play on this defense next year. I think Tyson Berry could play on this defense next year, but I I also wouldn't be surprised if he was a flippable piece in the offseason closer to the trade deadline. Um, Reed Schaefer is a decent prospect. I, I've read some stuff on him. I feel like he projects more as a bottom six player, but I feel like that he's someone who could – in a year or two, be a really good bottom six player for this team. Maybe he takes over our Tanner Janot where he was playing, something like that. The two first-rounders, the three second-rounders. I mean, having seven picks in the, in the top 96 in, in the 2023 draft, which Nashville is hosting, I think that's huge. Fabro gets a one-year extension. You clear $16 million in cap space. I mean, there's so much to like about everything that's going on. It hurts to lose Ekholm. It hurts to lose Nita rider didn't really, It's not really too much of a loss there. It brings you back a second-round pick. To get a second-round pick for Grandlin, who was having a, a terrible year, I think was – I hate the, the term fleecing, but I but I think it's as close to a fleecing as you can get because I don't think he should have brought that back at all, maybe a third or a fourth. But I think – good good job by David Poyle. I think he's – we said this on, on the last gold standard. He's doing his best to set Barry Trotz up for success on his way up the door, and I think he's doing a great job. 30 picks over the next three drafts. You, you, get, a, you get back a prospect. You get back a, a roster def- – two roster defensemen – I don't know about Rasmus Asplund. He might be a bottom six player next year. Who knows? You keep Fabro around, 24-year-old defenseman. Like I think you still have enough youth on this team next year, an um, experienced youth at that. And you clear $16 million in cap space. So, I mean, I, it's hard to find uh, find something bad to say about this, dra- this trade deadline. Can't ag- I can't agree more. Uh, and by the way, Asplund,
2: for those who are wondering if he's going to fit on this team, he's a Swede. Okay, this team loves them some Swedes. And they bring out the most in the Swedes. So I fully expect Asplund to be a tremendous, uh, probably third line guy for the National Predators. And uh, yeah, I mean, you, you run this down. Gallagher said it perfectly. I mean, there's just so much to love about this. Gronlund, Ekholm, Janot, Niederreiter, four roster players that uh, that you know exit stage left. But then you've also got Johansson, who's not going to play the rest of the season. And then Forsberg, he's not going to play, at least well, hopefully he's going to come back pretty soon. But we don't know. Right. That's that's the thing. So uh, with those things happening, the, the other guy really depleted.
0: Go ahead. Yeah. The, the other big piece of news, Alex Carrier out four Thank to six you. weeks, of course. So yep. that's basically the rest of the season
1: as well.
2: Right, that's correct. Thank you for bringing that up. I forgot about that. So you see, you have Carrier out as well. So you got a lot of you got a lot of uh, patchwork you need to do if you're the next Predators. also re-signed
1: Lincoln in for a one-year deal, too. I like that move as well.
2: Well, they re-signed Lincoln, and they re-signed uh, – they gave Fabro an extension as well, one-year extension as well. So you got a lot of patchwork for the rest of the season. If you're the Predators, to kind of feel the team, that'll get you to the finish line. Uh, Tyson Barry's a good piece. Is he great? I don't know. He puts up numbers that are pretty you – know, you want your defenseman to score 45-50 points a season? He's he's a guy that can do that. He's a power play specialist, which this team desperately needs. But I kind of agree with Gallagher. I think he's a flippable piece at some point. I'm some fans are probably surprised he even played a game for the Predators. They thought he was gonna get the old uh uh you know, the, the old immediate flip treatment, you know. Uh, but yeah, Cal Foote's a guy they can hopefully do something with. I said, Aspen's a Swede. That's all you that needs to be said. And then you've got Austin Reischoff in the minors, Isaac Ratcliffe in the minors, and then Reed Schaefer and junior still, who, by the way, is playing with fellow Preds prospect Lou Prokop in Seattle. So you have a feeling that the Predators know what they have in Schaefer and know what they like about Schaefer. And then, of course, all that draft capital, which I'm sure we'll get to a little bit later.
0: Yeah, the, the draft stuff is is kind of it's more about what are you gonna do with it because we kind of know what yes. it is. Like you got 13 picks in the draft in your home city. That's obviously a sellable commodity to fans from an entertainment standpoint. Uh you also have, if my math is correct and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong here, you now have five first round picks over the next three years, and you have six second round picks over the next three years. You have and then you have five third round picks over the next three years. So a lot of high level capital. Don't screw it up, is, is obviously the message to Barry to Barry Trotz, because you can certainly do that. Um, Honestly, we'll, you
1: could package all of those to try to entice whoever gets the first round pick right. this year to try and get Connor Bedard. So
0: well, and I, I think you can might I think you might be able to get the second pick. I don't know if you're gonna be able to get the first pick, but we'll talk about that strategy coming up in just a second. Um, I, I just think overall it's hard to argue with the strategy here. I do want to know what you guys think about David Poyle saying, Look, I think basically I'm paraphrasing here but at the press conference on Friday, basically saying, look, I still think we're going to be a pretty competitive team next year. And I'm curious how you two reacted when you heard that phrase from him.
2: I agree. I mean, I, I, obviously there's a lot to not like okay i mean you just again you just ditched eckholm who was one of the most solid defensemen in the national hockey league and you gave him to a stanley cup contender at edmonton by the way and i would actually argue that he makes them a true stanley cup contender because they've needed defense for a long time they did not address the goaltender situation but this is not an edmonton oilers podcast so i'll move on <laughs> so Jano is a guy who if he if he scores 20 goals a season you like, oh, we really miss him, you know, especially at that price, right? But instead he has scored five for you. So you go, okay, you know, moving let him be Tampa's problem. We got a haul for him. That's the hero there. Nita Ryder's a guy who, you know, again, he's a 20-goal guy. That's exactly what he was. And then Gronlund when he's at his best, is a 60-point player. And he was not that this season. So the thing for me, I think, is there's still enough pieces. Roman Yossi's a Norris Trophy candidate defenseman. You is a Vesna trophy candidate goalie. And then you have a, a proven winner in Ryan McDonough, who apparently wants to stay here. We haven't even talked about that yet. I thought for sure he'd be gone because he did not sign up for this. He's we, never missed the playoffs in his career. And now he's on a team that's going to yeah. miss the playoffs. I thought for sure they'd flip him for something. Even though he has
0: no trade, I get that, but at least we, to a contender. Yeah. We will get to um, who we think who else could have, and maybe should have been moved as well. So we'll get to sure. that in a second. Yeah. And so, Uh, But I I just think there's enough
2: pieces here. I think if you have Forsberg and Duchesne, let's say, put up 70 points a season each, it's a big ask, but that's what you can get. Then you kind of maybe put a Tomasino comes into his own, or maybe they do get a top five pick this year, a guy, it's a deep draft, we know that, so he can step into the lineup and hopefully pitch in 40 points. All of a sudden, you've got enough. You need to go out and get a scoring winger. That's a power play guy and you need to fix the power play. If you can do those two things, and it may maybe one person, by the way, that's not may not be two different things. It may be one person, but if you can fix the power play and get a goal scoring centric winger, a guy who that's what he does, then I think you have a shot at being a playoff team. Are you a contender? I don't know about that, but I do know, with Soros healthy. I think you could be.
0: I do. They're not uh, Gallagher. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, I I don't think he's too far off, but again, we're talking about the difference between being a legitimate Stanley Cup contender like the Boston Bruins or talking about being a team that's going to make the playoffs, which is what the Predators did the last eight years, and they haven't really done anything with it. So I I don't think Poyle's too far off. I think this team potentially could maybe somehow some way back their way into the playoffs next year. I mean, look, you got Roman Yossi, Matt Duchesne, Philip Forsberg, Ryan Johansson, UC Saros all coming back next year. You have a boatload of cap space. You have you're armed to the tooth with with draft picks. I mean, I I, I don't think the defense is gonna be. Yes, Matthias Eckholm is an elite defenseman. Tyson Barry is a really good defenseman. He's more offensive-minded, he puts up more points, probably not as strong of a penalty killer as Matthias Eckholm, but I don't think the drop-off from Eckholm to Barry is as big as say like from Yossi to Lozon. Like it's not like you're you're taking out an all-star defenseman and replacing him with a scrub. Like you're putting in a really good defenseman in his place as well. The defense is going to be solid. You still have a, a vezina caliber goalie. You still have Philip Forsberg and Matthew Shane. I mean I, I think the pieces are there that they could possibly be maybe a playoff team next year. I'm not I'm not counting on them to be but I don't think he was far off. And like, look, you have $16 million in cap space and you have so many draft picks. You could go out there and you could trade for two elite scores. I don't think it'll happen because they've never done that. But theoretically, you, you have the ammunition to go and get two players that can go out and score 40 goals. And you could this team could be right back into it next year just because of the work that David Poyle has done right now in the last week.
2: Most teams that are truly rebuilding don't have a Vesner cal- Vesna caliber goaltender or a Norris trophy caliber defenseman that actually <laughs> plays defense, by the way, not like a Carlson. So those two <laughs> things alone, give them a shot. That's my point.
0: Oh, I, and I agree that comp- it depends on how you define competitive. If defining competitive sure. is 500, which means you're in most of the games that you play on any given night, then sure, I'm fine with them saying that. I think they're a 500 hockey team. I don't think they make the playoffs, but I do I do think if all things break perfectly right and some of the young pieces develop, could they could they be battling for a playoff spot? Sure. Um, I also will point out that most teams that tank and then eventually win cups also have Connor Bedard's. (laughs) So 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 drafting 14th for the next three years ain't going to get it done. That's not the point of selling off the pieces is the point is to get some players that are of next level caliber. And that's what they've got to go out and try to do. And again, we'll get to that strategy here.
1: So. And I do still. I think how competitive they are next year also will depend on who the head coach is. Great point. Yep that that is uh, that is
0: extremely valid. Okay, so we we've already Tyson Berry. I'm surprised did not get moved. I'm I'm one of the guys that like I saw the tweet about his bag being missing. I was like, oh, he's gone. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh, which I'm fine with. But again, four and a half. All you save there is like one and a half million dollars. So yeah. it's like the cap space isn't exactly the reason you make the move. You get all the extra picks and then you flip him for some more assets potentially. Uh, but he
1: does help you win if you want to keep him around. Um I think, I think Poyle knew what Tyson Berry's market was based off of the calls and conversations he's, he's having now in the off season. I think he has a good idea of what he can get for him. So that that's the key here who should have been moved. Cause we
0: already mentioned Ryan McDonough who has the full, no movement clause. Surprising, maybe that he decided. Yeah, sure, I'm fine with staying here. Or maybe there weren't enough takers for a guy who's played as many games as he has. Um, he's a diminishing asset moving forward. There's no question about that. Um, I, I don't know. What do you guys think? I actually really like re-signing Fabro and not moving him. I never really liked the idea of moving him after watching him develop this year. I thought this is a clearly a guy that's that's grown over the last three seasons, and and at that price point, he's a top four. Blue liner for this team next year. So um, I, I'm, I'm good with them keeping Fabro and resigning him. I would have liked to have seen Barry get moved, maybe somebody else, but I'm not sure what else they have to trade uh, other than Soros, which is the big discussion here. And, and if you guys want to take this into the off season and, and project what you think could happen in the off season, if they're going to do some more trading before the draft, which is a possibility, you can go there if you want. I, Soros is basically David Boyle said UC Soros was off limits. Um, I understand both sides of the argument. I understand if you want Connor Bedard, you probably have to trade UC Soros, and then and then hope that Askarov can fill that void in two years, and you're probably going to have bad hockey for a couple of years. But I also understand keeping him because then it feels like you're more competitive right away. So, I, where do you guys stand on keeping Soros and keeping some of the other guys?
1: Yeah, I think and and Barry Trotz said this uh, on Monday at his presser. David Poyle has has been hesitant to use the word rebuild. Even though it looks like they are in a rebuild, they I think they're still in denial about what a rebuild actually is. Barry Trotz said that they're resetting, they're collecting assets. So I, I don't I think if you trade Soros, that's a clear waving of the white flag of like we're going for Connor Bedard and we're going hard. I don't think I think they're both too prideful to do that. So maybe in the offseason you get the right offer for UC Soros and that trade happens. But it, it seems like for now Soros is staying on the team. He's not going anywhere. It sounded like David Poyle said the untouchables were Roman and UC Saros and obviously Philip Forsberg because he has no movement clause. Um, But yeah, I I just I think Barry should have been traded. I think that's why you you go out and you get him. And I'm surprised Ryan McDonough wasn't traded because I don't think he signed up to come here and be part of a rebuild as well. But maybe he he didn't want to go. He didn't want to be moved for the second time in less than a year. Who knows? Um, Those are the only two that were really surprising. Um, I, I like re signing Fabro. He's 24. You get him for two and a half million for, for one year. Like that, that's a pretty good that's a pretty good salary to pay someone like that too. He's a young defenseman, a four and first round pick. We saw what happened with Ellie Tolvina. You don't want to give up on your first round picks too quickly. Um, and and look, Barry Trotz is known for churning out and developing top line defensemen. So I, I just don't think that Barry Trotz is probably ready to give up on, on Dante Fabro right now. I was only convinced that Dante Fabro was gonna get traded. Up until this week, because it seemed like the the preds were having to pick between Fabro and Carrier, which one were they going to resign next year? And it just seemed like David Poyle and John Hines favor Alex Carrier over Dante Fabro. However, the honest ice results this year say that Fabro is the better defenseman. And David Poyle even said with Matias Ekholm getting traded, Dante Fabro, there's gonna be opportunities for him to play higher up in the in the lineup and play more minutes and stuff. So I hope this is a sign of they they're fully committing to him. He's here through the end of next year. Hopefully and I, and I, I, we keep going back to this, but you get the right, you get the right coach in here. You get a Phil Housley, or you get a defensive-minded coach that knows how to coach defense and power play and penalty kill and, and everything pro- properly. Dante Fabro can flourish under a head coach like that. So I think if if John Hines is here, I still worry about it's going to be more of the same thing. But if you if you get a new head coach in here, I think Dante Fabro can really flourish under someone that knows how to use him properly.
2: The only thing I want to touch on is the McDonough thing, uh, because I think McDonough, that was a complete uh, shock to me that he didn't get moved simply because, again, he left the Stanley Cup contender because of salary cap reasons. He agreed to come here because he thought they'd be a playoff team. And now he's going to miss the playoffs for the first time in his career, probably. So I thought, okay, he's probably like, dude, get me out of here wherever you got to send me as long as I have a shot at a cup. And uh, he's still here. My it's the, very greedy
0: he, of him with all those rings. Now,
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah, how inconsiderate.
0: This <laughs> the
2: second thing though about that same thing is that from the from Trotz's press conference, right from that moment, he was pumping McDonough's tires. Like, you need a winner. That guy's a serial winner. Yeah. You need guys like McDonough. Like, you know, and so at that point, I was like, well, maybe he's not going to get moved because he's I mean, he is really like, I want you in my ranks when I take <laughs> over this team full time this summer. And so, you know, we'll see how it goes. But Ryan McDonough is the only surprise.
0: I, I mean, Carrier, Fabro, Yossi, McDonough, Barry, Lausanne, It's not a terrible six. No, six you man could defensive definitely do it. You could have a worse. You could seven. do You could do a For lot sure. worse. Um, yeah. So here's my here's my question. The Especially other, the other with thing
1: with how good they, Yossi and McDonough play together, if yeah. they keep that pairing together next year, too. So I the other thing is Fabro's
0: contract is now still extremely tradable next year. Kevin Lincoln's contract is extremely tradable next year. Um, I do have a question about for, for you guys if we can so it's they, they could go even further down this road now and you gover go you might be the one to ask about this. if I am trading UC Soros, I needed to be guaranteed for a top two pick not a oh, not, sure. not, not not potential. So here's my question when they when when they do the lottery, can you trade UC Soros after they've done the lottery to one of the two teams? Like, can you do that to? Yeah, why like, not? I'm, I'm assuming that that's how the timeline works. That you, the Predators, would find out who the top two picks are because apparently those two guys, Bedard and the uh, and the other guy, are, are above everybody else. It, it would have. I would have to be guaranteed that I'm getting one of those two guys if I'm moving UC Soros. And I think if if you can do that, then I I'm okay with them going even further down the 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 rabbit hole of the sell off.
2: I don't think that's the question. I think I, I think the second they had the lottery and they go, okay, it's Chicago and arizona i was you know whatever columbus whatever i, th- I think that's when you go okay you're you being specific calls and be like okay are you yeah understand you see in for that pick i think that was uh i think that's the best case scenario for them because again as i said earlier teams that really rebuild don't have that cal- don't have that top five league-wide goaltender in net right and teams we all know teams spend decades trying to find that guy i mean look at buffalo since ryan miller vancouver since roberto luongo right you can even throw new jersey in there since martin brodeur i mean these guys you know if you really want to really go deep you can be like all right edmonton since bill ranford i mean they've had a good goalies but not like they're like this is not a long window goaltender right so for me uh that's the guy you want to hang on to the most he's in He's 27 he's in the prime of his career that's the guy that kickstarts a reset if you will as opposed to a rebuild we, if we you need to keep a, him.
0: we need a new prefix i like, know i'm i'm very, I'm very not, sorry about that no They're no just, no it's not it's not your fault i do it too and we all do it like i just i just think we need uh we just need a new adjective for like t- tear down i don't know like I i'll guess. i'll come up with one before the show's over but
2: saros <laughs> Sor- is the guy that you want to you want to keep in in house Yossi is 32 and he's the identity of your franchise but I think if you could swing him for a first or second overall pick, that's a different story.
0: Whoa, whoa, Listen, 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 where did did this come from?
2: I know. Hold on. I'll tell you. Because one, it removes nine, almost nine and a half million off your books every year, but mainly because he's going to be 33 years old. Soros is 27. Twitter is already trending
1: with hashtag trade gover.
2: Dude, that's fine. I'm just simply (laughs) bringing the realism to you guys. That's all I'm doing. I'm just talking real facts, which is if you're looking to get the most out of a trade, Roman Yossi, a Norris winner at 33 years old, and the season starts next year. That's the guy
0: that you want to yeah, trade, these-
2: not the 27 year old franchise goalie. That's- okay,
0: this is this is not the direction I expected this conversation <laughs> to go, but I do appreciate it. Um, I I will say, first of all, you guys know these Hall of Fame defensemen play till they're like four, 57 years uh, yes, old. It's ridiculous. Right. Um, I, and goaltenders' bodies start to break down around 30, 31. So at the end of the contract, UC Saros may not be as valuable. Um, I, I, Man, r- I don't even have words for that well, one. Well, okay, so uh, <laughs> just let me amend this for
2: one second. second. I'm, I, y- Yes, I completely understand. You have a Scarab who's supposed to be the next guy in waiting, and you do not have, at least that I know, a <laughs> blue-chip defenseman who's going to step up and be the next guy. That, you, you can't I'm hit a- the... Re- how about you? That's
1: what I'm saying.
0: How about any defenseman?
2: Right. You're not okay, a friend
1: right. of Ryan Usko?
2: Right. Well, yeah. Well, I don't know. He's not. I don't know. He's Roman, Roman Yossi. My point of saying all this <laughs> is that I get that you're trading Saros because the position you, you have uh, the luxury of a Scar coming. Yeah. So I totally understand that. And I agree with Braden. If you're going to get the first or second overall pick, that's who you want to trade to get him. But I would still contend that you. Mm. Probably should just focus on four or five and hope that guy hits because it's it's pretty deep draft.
0: Okay, four or five is not bad. Um, so do we expect anybody to get moved in the off season? Like, do we expect Saros, Barry, any of these guys to get moved? I mean, I was we haven't touched about on Duchesne because he got there was some light banter about Duchesne on the Twitter sphere. Um, I was I'm not surprised he didn't get moved because that's a, a monster of a contract, but it is the last week that they could have complete control over moving him to wherever they wanted to because as of next year it's going to be a partial no movement clause that right. kicks in uh and already half the contract is gone so like it's a little bit more palatable for a team that wants him he he's coming off a career year he's playing you know he's playing well the last 30 games i thought there would have i thought there could have been value for him maybe you have to up- sweeten the pot or something but i i'm a little i'm a little surprised i guess i'm not surprised he didn't get moved i'm a little surprised there wasn't more chatter around him
1: yeah, I think I think Deshain is more movable this offseason than he has been since he signed the contract. Um that's true. And I, and I think another thing to keep in mind too are is teams that possibly want to trade for him or they have needs at center, not at right wing, which is where he plays on the predators. Um the Carolina Hurricanes things that thing that came up with Sarah Sivian and Bleacher Report, like the proposed fan proposal or whatever, that made sense because they have a they have a need at center. Um and I think it's it's something to where and look, you have all this cap space now. So if you have to eat two million of the eight million dollars to trade Matthew Shane's contract, you now have that flexibility to do so. I think I think it's I think he's someone they could possibly trade in the offseason. You have extra draft capital to make a trade more appealing for someone to take him as well. Um, but other than Matthew Shane, I, I think I think McDonough and Barry are probably the two guys that are that are likely to go. Soros is a possibility. I just, I just don't see it because David Poyle loves UC Saros. Barry Trotz raved about him in, in his presser on Monday, and he said, look, Askarov is probably about two years away. I, I don't think that they're willing to go through two years of really terrible hockey trading UC Saros. Even if it brings you back Connor Bedard, I don't think they're willing to go through that just to get to Askarov in two years. You have to admire, though,
2: Matt Duchesne coming out before the trade deadline. Afterwards, it's like, oh, of course you're going to say that. But before the trade deadline and saying, no, I want to stay here. This is where I want to be. That's that's a big deal coming from a guy who has been chasing a cup pretty much his whole, well, actually not pretty much, his entire career. He's been on some bad teams. You know, He's only advanced past the first round once. For a guy to look around, see what's going on here at 32 years old,
0: and say, no, I still really want to be here. This is where I want to be. That that's That's leadership, actually it's it's leadership but also who's going to clean all of his airbnbs on mondays and tuesdays if he's <laughs> if he's in you know carolina or whatever so um <laughs> there's that to consider i will say, i am curious i'd love to get like a sports doctor on about uc saros being the si- like is there value to his size from a longevity standpoint that maybe doesn't exist for these 6'5 230 pounders that like like again like Pekka, those guys tend to get hurt a little bit more their bodies when you're bigger tend to break down a little bit quicker I'm, i'd be curious to, to know if like some of these sports analytics health people say, look, Saros actually has a longer shelf life in net because of his size and because he's more about quickness and 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 skill rather than just just being huge. And so I,
1: I don't know, maybe that's just something to consider. Hey, uh, with well, quads they, like if David po- Saros has, I would I would bank <laughs> on him all day long. I mean, the picture, the, the Preds account tweeted last year of his quads, man, like he's they're like tree trunks down there. He, he doesn't miss leg day. There's no question. No, he does
2: um, not. I was going to say, if uh, if that's true, Braden, if that theory is true, that he's shorter, so he doesn't have as much wear and tear, I guarantee you, Poyle's already figured that out. And if he's going to trade yeah. him, he's bringing that up to every GM he talks
0: to. <laughs> well, of course. Um, so again, anybody else in the off season you think gets moved? Uh, no, I... I uh, the only
2: one, other than who we've already said, ad nauseum, is I would say Philip Tomasino if and I mean if, the Predators are not they're not believers, because which Ellie Tolvanen. Dumb. Ellie Tolvanen was rumored to have been like p- teams wanted him two or three years ago, right? Because who didn't, right? And they called about him. No, Ellie Tolvanen is not. He's not available. Not available. Not available. And so then they finally had to let him go on waivers because there was no trade partners for him. Yeah. His value had diminished so much, and that's it, what they did. They,
0: I, they didn't have to let him go. No,
2: well, it. okay, you know what I'm saying. So. They did that. All right. So if, if they don't believe in Tomasino anymore, like they started to not believe in Tolvanen, then I think, yeah, you could probably flip him for a fourth or just third, fourth, whatever, but whoever still believes in him, but that's the only guy I can really think of.
1: I I will say if there's anyone, if I had to pick somebody, I would not be completely surprised if they did move off of Ryan Johansson, because there's, I believe there's what, two years left on that contract. Maybe you eat some salary. A in, buyout, in maybe him. a buyout. Yeah, there, there's possibilities there because you're pretty well set at center. You have Parsonen, you have Cody Glass, Tommy Novak looks like he's he's a bottom six center. Um, yep. I think Rasmus Asplund they just traded for. He's a center. Like you have options there, so Colton, maybe move st- Duchene back Sissons. to center. Colton Sissons, Sissons under
0: contract for 14 more years, so that's good. yeah. <laughs> I mean,
1: you you have plenty of center depth right now and if you bring Fader Svechkov over uh from Russia maybe you give him a year in Milwaukee he could be ready in two years like i think getting getting johansson's contract off the books is something i would not be surprised if it happens this the season however
2: johansson is a playoff guy yep. but if they're
1: not going to make the
0: playoffs
2: there's no yeah. reason to keep him honestly that's, so that's
1: a that's a really good point gover um i i
0: i the, i agree that there's lots of depth i don't know what the quality is yet in terms of number 1 and number 2 well, right
1: now, if if you if, again, if you get a better head coach in here, even even if you, even if it's John Hines next year, Cody Glass looks like he's a top six center. You Parson looks like he's a top six center. You, you kind of you have to if you're in a rebuild, whatever reset, whatever you want to call it, you have to bank on them continuing to look like the potential that they've shown. So now I, and I agree if you're going to if you're OK with another bad year of hockey. Then, yeah,
0: I'm fine with glass and Parson and as your top two centers. I'm fine. I'm fine with that. I mean, do could can play center if you need him to as well. So they've got options there. I just don't. I think the key is to not be. I mean, again, it depends on how bad you want the team to be next year for for another another round of another draft class of really high picks. That's the. Right. the is it going to be two years? Is it going to be three? Is it going to be one? That's that's sort of still up for debate. So real quickly here before we get to Crispy um, with you guys. What what do you want to see them do with with all these picks? Um, We've got a long time to debate this. We've got all all the rest. The offseason apparently has already started, um, even though we're still in the middle of the season. So (laughs) we've got a lot of time to debate this, but there's a lot of things you could do offer sheets and go Mm -hmm. after a really big name. You could trade up to go get top picks, top slots in the draft. You could. Um, you know, you could just draft thirty players in three years, and, and hope that that
1: you hit on seven or eight of them. Maybe. I. What do you guys want to see him do? I, in my opinion, and I know the Predators haven't traditionally done this, and Barry Trotz is coming in as a first-time GM. And I know people have said like he doesn't want to ruffle feathers, piss off other GMs. I think you have to seriously consider offer sheets. And I say that because you take the proven commodity over what could be. You have all of these all this draft capital. And you have players like Jesper Bratt, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Timo Meyer, Alex de Trevor Zegers, Troy Terry, Philip Scheidel, Cole Caulfield, Gabriel Velarde. Like, there's so many. Alexis Lafreniere. There's so many young, talented players. If you're telling me that it's going to cost you two first-round picks and, and two second-round picks to offer sheet Trevor Zegers, you're not going to give that up. And all you have to do is just sign him. I mean, maybe Anaheim matches it. Maybe they don't. If they don't, it costs you some picks that are extra because of what you traded away this year. I think you go and you acquire proven commodity over what's unknown with draft picks, because these draft picks could potentially be good players, but you don't know. And something that Barry Trotz said, I think, struck me was during his presser, he said, we've never had that franchise changing center. And he said, we're going to have to acquire it. To me, that that seems like he's talking about, we're going to have to trade for it because they haven't had luck drafting a franchise changing center. So I think you go all in on an offer sheet. Now is the time to do it. You have the extra draft capital. You have the cap space to do it. Go into it. And if you piss off some other GMs, who cares? Because you're in this to win a Stanley Cup, not to make friends. You guys remember in 2010 at the NHL draft when the National Predators took Austin
2: Watson, they wanted him to be the next Ryan Getzlaff, their Ryan Getzlaff. We all know how that turned out. He wasn't. But, yeah, you know, he was built like that, right? Tall kid, big frame, big shoulders, right? You know, and a it, it, natural center. They kind of wanted him to be a poor man, Ryan get, Ryan's Getzlaff and they never got a, he never did that. So there's they've always been looking for that guy. In 2014, they went to go they picked Seth Jones at 4 cuz he fell to them at 4. They didn't get a chance at Nathan McKinnon or the guy they thought they were going to get Alexander Barkov. So there's they've always looked for that top center. I agree with Gallagher, they're going to have to either go out and offer sheet somebody a proven number 1 center or they're going to have to sign him for a ton of cash unless they can jump up in the top 3 spots of this draft. Win the lottery, or trade up to go one, two, or three, and get one of the top centers. That's their only real chance.
1: And you, you did have a good point too about Barry Trotz. If, if ever a first time, if ever there's a chance you can claim ignorance on offer sheeting someone and pissing off other GMs, it's it's yeah. doing it when you're first time GM like Barry Trotz. That's right. And I, I will say, if you don't want to go the offer sheet route, you have all this draft capital. Trade up into the top five. You may not be able to get one or two, but there's some really good players in the top five: Leo Carlson, Zach Benson, Matvei mishkov Will Smith. I mean, there's a lot of good talent in the top five. Three of the the four guys I just mentioned are centers. You can go out there and get it. I think you should go off her sheet because if you can come away with Trevor Zegers and you just give up a lot of the draft capital you just acquired, that's a win. But it's out there. You just have to go out and acquire it. Like Barry Trotz said in his presser, they're going to have to go out and trade for it. Yeah, it's
0: it's. I don't know where the line is in the draft. I'm not going to pretend like I've watched a lot of the prospects here. Um, I know the name, Connor Bedard. Uh, If people say that he's as good as Crosby or any of these other guys that are at the top of the draft, Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves and Nathan McKinnon and on and on and on. And I mean, obviously not Connor McDavid, but like if if, if that's the ballpark, the second guys or the third guys, um, you need more games like Pittsburgh, just as many games like Pittsburgh as possible. Competitive, fun. You get to watch a new player that plays. Uh, there's some lead changes in the third period and then you get zero points that they need to be in the bottom 10 at least. And that's what we said on the gold standard last week.
2: Connor Bedard is not Alexander Deg. for those who remember the early 90s. Can't miss guy was a miss. Or Nail Yakupov, who is also another can't miss guy, and he missed. Right. Those
0: are the very rare first overall yeah. picks that did not hit. Connor Bedard is not that guy. Yeah, there you have it. Uh before we get to Crispy, of course, uh, we did not remind everybody, Michael, that the
1: gold standard slash it's all your fault is brought to you by the wonderful folks at Jasper's. I added more words into, into my, <laughs> my hit here an adjective in that sentence how about that
0: yes i like it i I'm like it. Writer.
1: gover you should be going to Jasper's. <laughs> you should be going to jaspers
0: man you should be hanging out down there you can i, I love me some jaspers you know yeah. that brayden I, yeah. we've actually
2: for a couple of the other projects that i work on we've actually had our meetings at jaspers
0: because of how much they support this show and yeah, they're it's a great place for business meetings and if you wanted to you know, go hang out in the game room and just do some acapella stuff like it would work. You could just go down there and practice, I think.
1: I'm surprised there. we haven't done a live gold standard from Jaspers yet. <laughs> well, we can we can arrange that. <laughs>
0: I think <laughs> I think we know people <laughs> Jasper <Yeah. laughs> Jasper. You pull some
1: strings, I think.
0: Hey, when when it's the, the only the. The best place to be when the NHL draft is here in Nashville will be in Bridgestone Arena. The second best place to be will be Jaspers. Jaspers. There's a lot of picks. A lot of picks on that that first night and a lot of picks the next day in particular. It's a lot of $3 uh, beers. It's a lot of... Hey, Jaspers, if you're smart, keep that keep that special going for draft weekend, okay? If you're smart. but So go to Jaspers, free parking, great drink specials during home and road Preds games, $3 beers, $10 burgers, all kinds of great stuff. Uh, folks, t- tell, go over, Michael, tell everybody where they can
1: follow you guys. You follow me at MGSports underscore on Twitter and at the Nashville Post and Nashville Scene websites, uh, but stick around, stay tuned. Next week or two, I will be leaving the Post and the Scene, and I'll have some more cool stuff to announce then.
2: You can follow me at It's Govertime on Twitter. That's I-T-S-G-O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, and you can, of course, follow the show at It's All Your Fault, I-A-Y-F podcast, at I-A-Y-F podcast. The it's All Your Fault podcast that I do with Gallagher, and I'm
0: looking forward to carrying it on there there you have it Uh, of course go to jaspers you can get to me at braden gall when we return my conversation with the great terrence arthur crisp (music) welcome to a special edition of the gold standard of course here on the 440 sports network brought to you by jaspers my name is braden gall joined today by the one and only Crispy, as David Poyle said in his retirement press conference, even though he's still like madly at work right now, he said you only need one name. You need Pete and you need Crispy. And uh, here you are, man. Thank you so much for giving us some of your time. We do appreciate it, sir.
3: Hey, my pleasure. Always fun to join you, Brady. <laughs> Um, All
0: right. Well, I'm going to take you way back here. OK, I, <laughs> I want I want you to tell me about the first moment you met David Poyle? Just what, what were your, imp- do you remember any impressions, anything at all that stand out about the first day, the first time you met David Poyle?
3: The first time I met David Poyle uh, was at hockey meetings, before here even, before I came here. And you heard him mention Cliff Fletcher, who had hired me as his head coach in Calgary. I was with Cliff, and Cliff was a mentor for David Poyle. And the first time I met him, Cliff introduced us. And I went away with the feeling. It tells you how sharp a person I am and how (laughs) good I am. I said to him, there is a class gentleman. He just showed class. Back then, David was one of these ones when you met him, you just knew that here was a young man that had confidence in himself and where he was going and what he was going to do. And from then on, when I met him here, and for the next 24 years up to today, nothing has changed. That breed, David Poyle, to me is—and I add the, the one more letter to that word—to that first class, always.
0: Well, and I and I would add competitor to that. Uh, he ultra <laughs> ultra competitive. Yeah, you and
3: don't, you don't see that. You've seen him a few times. <laughs> he always looks calm, and but I've heard a few meetings too where David says, "No, I can roll the sleeves up." And go with the best of them.
0: Well, and that's kind of the perspective I'd love you to offer here, because you know you obviously were charged with a unique role when Nashville come, not na- hockey comes to Nashville, and you. It's been well documented, but but David Poyle again, he has sort of this mild mannered, sort of not not even soft spoken, but just sort of very calm exterior that he presents to almost everybody at all times, but he is extremely competitive. If you ever have gotten to know him, can you give us some insight, tell the fans about what he's like behind closed doors with some of those meetings with the, whether it's the coaching staff or the players, or, you know, even just front, front office hockey ops, like give, give people a sense of how he sort of functions in those situations where the competitive
3: nature comes out. Okay. Okay. I've, I've been in very few ones with David, was, was right down to the nitty gritty on it. Uh, but I have talked to a lot of guys who have been on these meetings with David. And as you just said, David starts the meetings and everything is mild and calm. And he makes sure that everybody has, has their say. If there's four guys, three coaches, two whatever it is, players, they have their full say before David Poyle interrupts, before he interjects anything. And then when his turn comes, from what I've heard, depending on what he heard from you, he doesn't mince words. And he doesn't try to sugarcoat it. And he says it exactly like, like very classy, but very businesslike, and very right to the nuts and bolts of either good or bad as to what you're doing. So in, in those areas there, I have never been in a meeting with David where he's had to, you know, take off the gloves and and, and go, but having heard that. Yeah. He, he can handle that part of it.
0: Well, and I can't, I can't imagine uh, being not only raised by him, but also have to work underneath him. That's got to be fascinating for for Brian, of course, who is going to remain on the hockey hockey op staff and um, also a very competitive guy uh, and very mild mannered as as well from an outward perspective. Um your time with Nashville and around David Poyle, you said class, you said first class, you said classy a lot. Is there, is there, do you ever see him like loosen up at all? Does he ever, does he ever yeah. li- like, I know oh, he yeah. likes his wine and his chocolate, but like <laughs> when, when have you seen David Poyle kind of like, just let the guard down a little bit.
3: When, when we're out for dinner, like we've uh, been uh, lucky enough, with in the early goings, uh, Sheila and I would be invited with uh, David and Elizabeth and Trotsy and Kim. And maybe another couple, and we'd all sit around one of the homes, and usually David or Trotsky and Kibitz and take the. And it's nice when there's no microphones, there's <laughs> nothing hidden, and you- it-, it comes out. And David has a-, a wit, he has a sense of humor that you wouldn't believe. And he he's, he and Trotsky are very similar in that capacity that they slip them in. And it takes you about another sip of wine before you realize you just got tails. <laughs> you just got hit on one of them, but he can he can throw them. So David is one of those people that uh, that turn this thing
0: off. You're a busy guy. It's very important. It's okay. it's all good. No, you're good. Keep going. And
3: so in that capacity, Sheila and I have always seen it's it's enjoyable in 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 relaxed areas with them. That it, it, he's fun. He and Elizabeth both are fun, and Trotsy and Kim.
0: Well, and it's funny. Like I don't know about you, but I got the sense that, like, I know he's busy right now in the throes of, like, you know, trying to set trots up in the in the best situation possible to give him the most ammunition to to build a good roster moving forward to take over for him. Um, But what's interesting is he he felt looser to me at the press conference on Monday. Certainly an emotional moment for him, but he felt like he's you know he started the whole thing telling jokes and you know he took. I don't know if it's taking <laughs> shots at the wife. I don't think he was taking shots at the wife, <laughs> but he, but he, you know,
3: Elizabeth, if he did, he's going to pay for it. <laughs> yes.
0: As he, as he said, uh, he's made every major decision in the marriage and yet, and they've yet to make one of those. So, uh, <laughs> which, 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 is exactly right. Um, what, what is you, you've changed roles, right? You went into coaching and, and you've gone into broadcasting. What is it about being a really good high quality coach the way Barry Trotz has been? What, what translates in your opinion into the front office and what, and and what does he need to learn?
3: Probably he's, when you're a coach, you're, you're the only person closer to you than a team when you're coaching is the trainer. Believe me. And you weren't waiting for that one, were you? Gotcha. Okay. Not the owners. It's not the GM. It's the coach. And then the trainer's closer than the coach because he lives with them every day. So as a coach, you're through there. You learn all of the ins and outs of how they're thinking. How they're, and like I said, trainers are great because they're a good source of information, but but not a snitch. They don't want you to spill on the guys. They just want you to make sure that he says, "Coach, maybe we nip something in the bud." You, whatever. And a coach goes at And I was sitting there watching, thinking, Trotty's done it all. Like when David come on that, and you mentioned what did. You know what I think? What David was was like he took a piano off his shoulders yesterday. It's out, it's there. People mm-hmm. can quit screaming at it and doing this Twitter and doing all this stuff that irritates me. And, what he, and he had his say finally, listen, I've had a wonderful run. We have discussed this. We have been over this, not just last week, not just two weeks ago. We've been talking about this with the owners and then Trotty and himself. And I think it was a big relief for both David and his wife and family to set this straight. And then when Trotsy came on the stage with him, it was like Disneyland. It was like unique, like you told me. I said, I'm sitting there thinking, my goodness, 25 years ago, David Poyle hired Trotsy, an unknown, I shouldn't say unknown, but he was a rookie head coach in the NHL. And David went against a lot of people that tried to convince him otherwise, as he mentioned. Look at the success they had. And now I'm thinking, okay, David hires Trotsy. Then David fires Trotsy (laughs) and then then David hires Trotsy again and they're back to where they started 25 years ago. You couldn't, you couldn't script this any better. Or or if you put that out there, people say, yeah, you're telling a pretty good story about it. So, and I was sitting just enjoying it so much watching and listening to to Trotsy when when he was up there saying, yeah, I'm new to the job. Yes. I am new to parts of this business, but no, I am not new to a lot of areas that with the players, dressing rooms, what we not want, what the hockey end of it. And he was very clear to this point that, yeah, he knows he's going to need help. He said that's why Dave is going to stay on as a senior advisor. And he has Brian Poyle, he has Scotty Nichols, he has Jeff Kelty. Other, and, and you know, Barry, he will lean on them. He will use them. But I can tell you this. Trotz,
0: will be the boss. I think that's a question people have is is sort of uh, separation of powers here. But it sounds like from from everything that we've gathered that David Poyle is going to be around as long as people need him to be or want him to be. And in the short term, it it feels like David feels like Barry Trotz is involved in at least being in and around what's taking place with the team right now, which is a whole lot of stuff because. They're trading a lot of pieces away. They've got a ton of draft capital moving forward. Th- David Poyle is giving Barry Trotz not only a lesson on the job, but he's giving him as much possible equity to, in the future to go work and build whatever Barry Trotz's vision is of the team, which I, I I guess I'm curious. Do you think it's the same as as what he wants his team to be as a coach, or do you think it's different? Do you think it's changed? Like What does oh, what, what what Barry Trotz's vision look you like? You don't
3: change your attitude. You, don't, you learn from it. And you adjust to it. But when you look back over, Trotsy's been been coaching now for how long? So that's not new to him. But walking into a dressing room, addressing players, judging players, estimating players, that's a a given to Trotsy. The business end of it is what Trotsy will have to learn a little bit as he go, and he'll be smart enough to do it. But his his style will be whatever is presented to him. It's like I used to say. You put me up on the back of Secretariat, and I'm going to win you some money in the race. <laughs> you give me a Mennonite plow horse, and I'm sorry, your money's going right down the ground, third, where it is. So Trotzi knows talent. He knows what this team. He knows what this team is. He's has been what? How many months now away from the Islanders in Nashville? He wasn't just sitting there twiddling his thumbs. He wasn't playing tiddly winks. watched almost, I bet you, every game knows uh, that he knows this team almost by now in his mind, his mind
0: as well as anybody so you just you you yourself went through uh, the retirement thinking process right you have to contemplate things you have to think through what your life's going to look like and, and making a big decision like that Um obviously Poyle's going to stay on and be a little bit more active and I mean you're still around as well Chris but you're not going anywhere but <laughs> but I, like can you try to explain to people because like I asked some of his family like has he had any time at all to like be retrospective and introspective and think about his career and they're like no dude we got the trade deadline coming up in three days um (laughs) can you try to explain to someone what it's like to go through that process of thinking about the retirement it sounds like David's been doing it for over a year now um what what is that like for someone who has been in hockey for 60 70 whatever number of years it is all of a sudden to be kind of out of it like what how how does that how how do you go through that process
3: I'll, I can just go through my own and she and I talked about this and she has been wanting for a couple of years to retire. But in my mind, I'm thinking I'm leaving a family, the only family I've ever known in hockey. Like, yeah, honestly, our own family outside of it was right there. But we've lived in a, you live in a sheltered bubble when you're there. Like from the, the day I was 16 and left home to play hockey for money, that's all I've ever known. And I'm stepping away from that now. I will not be doing what I was doing. And it's it's not fear. Maybe it's apprehension. You so said, what am I going to do with my time? What am I going to do? Uh, I can't fish every day. I don't want to golf every day. I don't want to walk 1,400 miles every day, whatever. <laughs> so, but you know what, uh, Brando, I found uh, it's amazing how the days pass by. It's amazing how much you get to do with your neighbors and your relatives and your friends, and the time's flying by. And the other side of it is, for my, uh, my coin, when I retired here, they kept me in the loop. Like I'm sort of an ambassador with them, and, and Sean Henry and Billy Wicket and the, and the Predators have been so good to us. They've kept me on, et cetera. And I feel like I'm still useful in some areas, whether whatever it is. And that's what David will do. David will slowly ease himself out um, with the help, but it won't be like jumping into a cold bath. Boom! And then when you come to service, say, Oh, what happened? Where am I? And I hope full well that David will will do that on his exit.
0: Who's the better player? David Poyle, Barry Trotz, you? Who's the better player? In, me. In the, you, hey, by far?
3: Hey, I, here, ain't I? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Let's put it this way. I wouldn't have to run into Barry Trotz in a corner or with my head down. That would hurt for a long time. <laughs> if I had to go head-to-head with David Poyle and the stick counting that, he'd whip my butt, too. So I'm not sure where that <laughs> leaves me in the <laughs> hockey where I am going to end up with those two. <laughs>
0: it's not, it's not, it sounds like uh, you're going to be coaching right where you belong, uh, is what it sounds like. Um, <laughs>
3: <laughs> Never leaves your blood. Never.
0: No. Um, all right. We'll leave. right, I'll leave you with this, and I appreciate your time. Is, is there anything, because there's so many stories. Fans have stories. Media have stories. And, and this goes for Pecorine, too. Like, everybody who's ever been around Barry Trotz or David Poyle, there's always some little anecdote, some story that like everybody has because of their kindness or their generosity or their commitment to the community or whatever it may be. Um, do you have anything – can you tell us anything about either David Poyle or Barry Trotz, maybe one of each here, that just something that we don't know about those guys? Is there anything we don't know about these two guys?
3: I think the one thing that everybody does know, their generosity here and everybody in Nashville is, but, but with charity work. And I watched them both with the charity work quietly and doing it, like Best Buddies – that Kim and Trotsy and them started. I mean, when they started, there was only, the lady Barry started with here, there was like maybe three people, one people. They started, Trotsy and her say they started with $1 for best buddies and best family. girls and that. What a point. I would have to say watching both David and Barry in, in this city, they are, they are both tremendous family people but both very charitable, very charitable.
0: All right, give me some real stuff. Like Trotsi loves tequila shots or something. Give me some real stuff. Like, no, yeah,
3: no, we already dude. know.
0: We already know how great they are. Come the on. The reason
3: the best of friends with 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 David Poyle and Barry Trotz are they both are good guys at collecting wine, and they share. <laughs> it with, that's that's it right there, Breed. They both know wine. They both share it with me, and I'm happy.
0: And we know David's a red guy. Is Trotzi red or white? Like rosé, maybe? Like where, where's he go?
3: You tell him he's rosé. I'm not. <laughs> see, he's like me. Is it there? We can drink it.
0: I, I, amen, brother, amen. That's a that's a great that's a great place <laughs> to end it. Um, I, I, I tell you what. One, one more real quickly here, as a coach and a player and a GM and all these other things. Um, what is it? What is it like inside a locker room right now? Knowing that there's all this change going on above you. The the GM is changing. You got the deadline. You got players being moved. Can you get a sense of? Can you try to explain to people what it's like to actually be in a locker room, try to focus on your job, but but know that all this other stuff is happening?
3: I I could go back to myself as a player. It's apprehensive because unless you're one of the guns and the big gun, you know your name's up there. You know there's a target out there for somebody or whatever. And every day when when the day goes by, you say, I survived another one. Now you're getting to where it's three or four. I could trade it one year one hour before the deadline, one hour before the, and it was a midnight deadline, by the way, back then for some reason, I don't know who was skip, scripting it. And I was in a, in, a, in a pub in Detroit, the Lindell Club in Detroit. We just played there that night. And midnight that night was a trading deadline. And it was about, I think, oh, after the game, we're in there about quarter of 11. And I was the, one of the veterans of the team. I said, guys, great. We survived it. We don't have to move our family. We don't have to move our kids. We don't have to find a new house, schools, churches, doctors. We're here. The rest of the I'm walking up to buy the round. I did buy a round periodically. And (laughs) the the phone rings. The phone rings. It's the bartender. Is there a crisp here? I said, oh, no, no. I said, yeah, me. There's phone for you. I take the phone. It was a coach. He says, Crispy, listen, uh, where are you? I said, you know where I am. You know exactly where I am. He said, well, yeah, come on back. I want to talk to you. I says, no, no, Earl. Earl, where am I going? Earl, come on back to the hotel. Where am I going, Earl? He says, we just traded you to Philly. I says, Philly? What does Philly want with me? He says, damned if I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, So let me tell you. When the trade deadline has come and gone and you don't have to move your wife and kids and you're set for the rest of that season, it's a nice feeling.
0: Crispy, thank you so much. Uh, Obviously, a a really monumental moment for Predators fans in the history of the organization with David Poyle and Barry Trotz. Uh, We'll see what happens, man. It's going to be a fun ride. Thank you so much for giving us some time. We do appreciate it. Thank you guys all for listening, of course, to the Gold Standard Podcast here. My name is Braden Gall. Rate, review, subscribe. Crispy, thank you, sir.
3: Thank you, buddy. Stay safe.